Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we got some new evidence of aliens right here on Earth. But what's real heading into week three? of the college football season. So glad you asked. Let's break it down. Welcome into the hard count. It is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. The very last one in history, mind you. So we're about to make it a movie. Look in the mirror. Say we're dominating Thursday. It's the day before the day before when we get to game day on Saturday. I'm glad to have you here. Welcome into the hard count, the people's college football show. Everything that you know and love about this beautiful game, it happens here every single day it happens here live three times a week tuesday wednesday thursday 11 a.m eastern we got some ball to talk through now colorado proving a lot of people wrong before we even got on the air colorado state's head coach jay norvell made a a bit of a bulletin board material kind of statement we'll talk about a little bit when it comes to colorado but why was everyone so wrong ourselves included hands up that's on us we were wrong about coach prime and what year one would look like for him how did the entirety of the sports media industry just kind of swing and miss? Now, there were some people that thought this could work the way that it did in year one. And so far, I guess we're only two games in. But to, to have the success they've had so far, a lot of us missed on this. Why is that? Let's kind of recalibrate, collect our thoughts there and talk about that one. Also, you know how we do it here on Thursdays? We give you our final thoughts for the games ahead. So Tennessee going to Florida. Final thoughts of both those teams. Got some thoughts on Georgia. Got some thoughts uh, on Colorado. Got some thoughts on LSU. So we'll break down some of those games and break down kind of what we're thinking as it pertains to this upcoming weekend. And Texas already played Alabama, so I don't want to really rehash that too much. But what makes this Texas offense work the way that it does? What makes Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers able to go into Tuscaloosa, Alabama and play one of the most story programs in the country? and take them down the way they did. Also, what does it look like for them the rest of the way for this offense? Because what you saw in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, was not a flash in the pan. This Texas team is for real. We've said that many a time. But how does that offense work, and, and what really makes it go? We'll play a little quarterback there and break that one down for you. We're glad to have you here. It's college football and only college football here every single day. If you're new, welcome. There's no time like the present to be locked in and subscribed. If you love college football the way that we love college football, meaning you're watching like full game reruns on YouTube when they're not playing the games and you are counting down the days till Saturday and you're already looking at potential plays when it comes to this upcoming Saturday, we're aligned, okay? So to kind of have a gauge for what our plays are going to be, some of our gambling picks this upcoming weekend, make sure you're following me on Instagram and on Twitter at JD Pacquel. We're giving out the picks on Instagram and then on Twitter we'll have kind of just a open conversation throughout the Saturday as we always do. All right, can't waste too much more time. I led with what is real in college football going into week three. We're going to talk about that right now because right now it's it's so tricky to have a tremendous gauge for what is just kind of like some early season juice and someone who's out of the gates hot like a Colorado or, or like a Florida State or you know you kind of go around the country here. We're going to try and get a good gauge for what's real. So the first thing that I think is absolutely real when it comes to the college football landscape right now, Sammy Hartman and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
I know they've only played NC State as like their, their best real opponent, I suppose. No disrespect to Navy or Tennessee State. But what he's doing right now at Notre Dame has totally changed the way that we should view that fighting Irish program. This is not Rudy's Notre Dame. This is not your granddad's Notre Dame. No disrespect to your granddad. But what we've seen from this team so far is a completely different look because of what Sam Hartman brings to that team in the vertical passing game. We knew they'd be tough. We knew that defense would be flying around and knocking people's heads off. We knew that run game was going to be tough. We know Joe Alt's going to make a whole lot of money playing offensive line in the NFL one day. But what Sam Hartman brings to the table throwing the football is exactly what you hoped it would be. And I think to put a finer point on that, Sam Hartman doesn't look surprised by anything he's doing. And he wouldn't, you know, outwardly look surprised to begin with. But I mean, like emotionally, we don't see a ton of emotional excitement from him from what he's doing on the field. He's calm. He's steady. He's got an even hand. And we haven't really seen a bad quarter of football from him just yet. Like when you put a new quarterback into a different team, you would expect some acclimation period to occur there. And so what this says to me with how hot he's been to start, this tells me they had that acclimation period during the spring. And if you were locked into blueandgold.com, then you know what was kind of the, the report out of spring practice was, hey, Tyler Buckner's kind of pushing Sam Hartman. Hey, Sam Hartman's kind of taking a second to get his footing. So to have that be the report out of spring practice and to be the way that he plays right now in the fall, absolutely dealing the pill right now, that tells me the work he put in behind the scenes the reps he got in behind closed doors after practice with uh, Jaden Greathouse, with a Tobias Merriweather, that's all paying dividends right now. And we're going to get to run them through a phenomenal filter week four when Ohio State goes to South Bend in front of touchdown Jesus and everybody to get a really good gauge for just how dangerous this Notre Dame football team is going to be. But I'll tell you this, Sam Hartman, he is as real as it gets. And that makes Notre Dame, I think, as real as it gets as well. Cannot wait to watch what they do the rest of the way. You know what else is real when you look at the college football landscape? How about Keon Coleman? Keon Coleman and the way that he has acclimated to Florida State and been a just seamless piece of that offense with the transfer portal and how they've utilized that and how he's hit the ground running, I think it deserves a ton of attention. I understand they've only played like Southern Miss and the LSU game. They had secondary that was kind of trying to get their feet under them. But as far as I'm concerned... Keon Coleman is the best wide receiver in the country, not named Marvin Harrison Jr. That's saying something now. I mean, he now has the spotlight and the quarterback, I think, to totally maximize his potential. That's not a knock on Michigan State. It's not a knock on Peyton Thorne. I'm saying the attention Florida State is getting right now with a seasoned quarterback in Jordan Travis who can consistently deliver the football to him, and they have guys around him to take pressure off Keon Coleman to where you can't just double-team him. He's going to, in my opinion, at this point in the year, I don't want to be hyperbolic, I would be wildly surprised if he is not a Blitnikoff Award finalist. That's how much potential he has, and that's how much I think they're going to make him a centerpiece of this offense going forward. So Keon Coleman, everything you've seen so far from him has been as advertised and then some, a one-on-one -on -one nightmare. Keon Coleman, absolutely the real deal so far in Tallahassee. Let's stay in the Sunshine State here. Let's go down to Coral Gables, Florida. And we all had a lot to say about the Miami Hurricanes early in the year. We had a lot to say about Tyler Van Dyke before the season even started. And it was kind of a curious thing. There were so many people just selling their Tyler Van Dyke stock before the year even got started because of what happened in 2022. 
and you know we, we try and we try and keep it very friendly on this show it's it's a it's a light-hearted operation over here it's a feel-good operation because college football is a beautiful thing and we celebrate it accordingly but we're going to kind of call our shot here a little bit we're going to kind of call some people out there was a lot of lazy takes in the media around tyler van dyke because people saw miami go five and seven and they saw them not have success offensively and when you're the quarterback of a power five football team the finger gets pointed at you when the offense doesn't thrive and that's okay that's understandable but it's still your due diligence to take a harder look at that offense and say hmm what was going on there oh they couldn't run the football oh they weren't protecting him oh guys were dropping passes well is that an indictment on tyler van dyke or is that an indictment on the tools around him right like let, let's look a little bit deeper here tyler van dyke in my opinion was like a construction worker that didn't have the tools to build and so everybody as soon as he didn't have a product on the field to be successful they were like well tyler van dyke must not be very good 2021 must have been a flash in the pan what <laughs> What are we talking about here? And then you go and bring in a Shannon Dawson and you go to the portal and you get some pieces on the offensive line. You plug in a freak show, true freshman like Francis Malagoa and boom, we're off to the races. Funny how that works. Almost like Tyler Van Dyke was never really the problem. Now, again, this is people in the media that sold him down the river. Y'all that were tuned in here, y'all that are college football junkies and actually watched the sport. You were saying, man, get Tyler Van Dyke some help. Get, get number nine a, a couple of weapons here. Get him some protection on the offensive line. Get an offensive coordinator to allow him to thrive. And then they did. And then you saw them put up over 40 against a Texas A&M defense that brought back a lot of production that allowed 22 points a game last year. The same team that you scored nine points against in College Station. Complete U-turn from this Miami offense. Complete U-turn from the production for Tyler Van Dyke. But it was never really a Tyler Van Dyke issue. You know that, we know that, and now the rest of the world is getting to catch up to speed on that. Stay, staying in the, uh, the lane of talking about quarterbacks here. Quinn Ewers, man. You got to believe the hype now. I think Quinn Ewers is absolutely for real when you look at the 2023 season and what he's going to do to the college football landscape. And it was always a matter of we've seen it, but we've seen it in spurts. We need to see consistency. There is no more questioning if you can lean on Quinn Ewers if you're a Texas Longhorn fan. The question was always, is he going to be reliable? Are we going to get that 30 incompletion game from him in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Like, what does that look like? And what I saw against Alabama, I think legitimizes him to the nth degree because there will never be a tougher situation for Quinn Ewers and this Texas team than what they got last Saturday night. And I don't want to keep reliving the past and keep, you know, going back to the Alabama game because it is just one game. They all count the same. I understand that. But they will not have a tougher opponent on their schedule until they get to the Big 12 title or the college football playoff or wherever they end up at than Alabama and Nick Saban. They will not have a tougher environment than Bryant-Denny Stadium at night, college game day there, Pat McAfee doing his thing on the sideline on ESPN2. That was exceptional. My wife was fired up watching that. She was like, Pat McAfee's entertaining. I don't even care about college football. So you had that whole circus around that game and also the pressure around this game for what it meant for texas for what it meant for quinn ewers for what it meant for steve sarkeesian the stakes could not have been any higher because of the way that the game went last year in the first quarter where he steps out there he's dealing he's he's throwing it deep to xavier worthy and to be real it looked like the first quarter of what we saw in this year's game so that kind of had expectations at an all-time high and for Quinn Ewers you were sort of running out of runway in your college career to prove everybody right that had, sp that had spoken positively about him and so to have him do what he did in Tuscaloosa 
And to have that mic drop moment, and I loved so much what he said when that camera was in his face after he took a knee, where he said, this is what we're on now. This is who we are. I think what you saw in Alabama that night was who Quinn Ewers truly is, and I think that's what Texas is going to be going forward. So a lot to unpack there with what's real. It's only week two heading into week three. But even so, these are the things that I feel pretty confident about addressing as real. Like, I don't think we need to see a ton more to prove that these points are what they are going forward. Now, the beautiful part about college football is we get a lot more weeks to solidify these, but just so we're kind of ahead of the game here, so we're all kind of aligned together, these things, in my opinion, 100% real. And we're going to talk more about Texas here a little bit later in the show, but we appreciate y'all being tuned in and being uh, locked and loaded here for this beautiful thing that is college football heading into week three. Now, if you've been following me on the social channels, you know we've been, uh, we've been in the prize picks game a little bit here. You know that prize picks is bringing you the hard can. We appreciate prize picks, man. And right now, prize picks, we're going into our third week here. And I kind of feel like Deion Sanders, what he said at the press conference, he's like, hey, don't let me get comfortable. Don't let us get comfortable now. We were a half yard away from maxing out that three square play this past weekend we got a five square play for you here right now we're about to break it down for you a little bit prize picks daily fantasy it's free it's fast and it's fun all right so if you redeem code jd 100 percent deposit match up to 100 dollars. you put in 50 bucks prize picks they match you 50 bucks as long as you redeem code jd again that goes up to 100 bucks it's, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio as well. You're watching the games. You want to make a little cash money with your boys. Daily Fantasy from Prize Picks. That is the way to go. Also, really easy withdrawal. Okay, so here's what we got for this upcoming weekend. We got Jimmy Horn, receiver for Colorado. We got him less than 84 and a half receiving yards. The reason for that being, I think everybody's going to eat this upcoming weekend in Boulder, Colorado. 84 and a half. Would not surprise me if he... We're to get more than that, but we're going to go ahead and put him at less than that right now because you got a lot of mouths to feed on that team. Shadur Sanders, three and a half total touchdowns. The offense goes through him. Lock us in for the more right there. Jaden Daniels, they play Mississippi State this week. His projection is half a rushing touchdown. We like him to get a rushing touchdown. We're taking more. The reason for that being Mississippi State, you watch the tape, played another Jaden, Jaden Delora from Arizona last week, they kind of struggled with the mobile quarterback. They didn't look like they were totally dialed in. I like him to get in the end zone. Go ahead and lock that in for a more. Travis Hunter, 0.5 receiving touchdowns? Give us the more. He may have two or three in this game. Go ahead and lock that in. Graham Mertz, half interception. We like the more there. I think Tennessee will get after him. So we like all of those. It's a flex play meaning we don't have to hit on every single one of these squares to get some money. But if we do, 10x, whatever you put down. So that's good news. Hit on four, we double it. And if we hit on three, still you don't leave empty-handed. So prize picks, again, redeem code JD, 100% deposit match up to $100. We, we got right last week, okay? This week is the week the damn breaks. Get locked in. We appreciate prize picks. We appreciate y'all rolling with prize picks as they are a part of the program. All right? Don't let us get comfortable. That's the way it feels. Don't let us get comfortable. Man. Appreciate y'all being locked in. Appreciate y'all liking the video and subscribing to the channel. College football every single day.
It's what we do here. So we appreciate y'all rolling with us. All right. Now, here's something that we got to talk about, kind of a, uh, a just state of the union, if you will, something we got to recalibrate on. A lot of people, ourselves included, were wrong about Colorado in 2023. The caveat there, I will say this, we did not doubt that Coach Prime would eventually get it rolling. I just did not think it would be the first year in Boulder. So hand up, that's on us. We're going to go ahead and take that miss. And I want to talk about why everybody was wrong about Colorado to begin with. Because Vegas, Vegas had them at three and a half wins for their season total over under. Looks like they're about to blow past that, all right? They're 2-0 right now. I think they're going to hang 80 on Colorado State this upcoming weekend. Coach Norvell from Colorado State, bulletin board material. He sits down with someone in Colorado State and says, yeah, I talked to ESPN and I told him I take my glasses off, take my hat off when I talk to people because that's what I was raised to do. That's what adults do. And you hear that soundbite, you kind of just like bury your hand in your head. You say, oh, no, he didn't just say that, did he? You didn't just give Coach Prime and that team some fuel. Like the whole thing with Matt Rule last week, I didn't even really get, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was that big a deal, everything they were talking about. Now, I wasn't as close to that situation as people that were there, but I didn't really think there was that much to talk about. But this is a blatant shot. This is a blatant, I'm calling you out kind of deal. It's not going to end well for Colorado State. So I want to make that clear. But why was everybody wrong about Colorado? Us included. Well, we'll talk about it right now. Really quickly, though. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. It's college football every single day. You love it. We love it. Make sure you're dialed in right here, all right? So thank you for that. Now, to be honest, I completely, along with a lot of other people, underestimated the translation of talent for Coach Prime and this team from the FCS level to the Power 5 level. Because we knew they had a lot of talent. We knew that they had some guys that could play now, some guys that had potential to get it done, but to actually get it done the way they have so far against two Power 5 football teams, one of which played for a national title last year, we whiffed on that. Like Shadur Sanders, the way that he has acclimated to Power 5 football so quickly, you cannot overstate the, the impressive nature of that. Because as someone who has played at the FCS level and been in FCS camp, like... The, the, or FBS camp rather, the speed of the game is so, so different. The size of the players on defense is so different. And it's not to dunk on FCS football. It's just to say FBS football is a different beast. And so as good as Shador Sanders was at Jackson State, it wasn't unreasonable for us to assume that, hey, maybe it'll take this guy a second and a half to get his feet wet. Of course, that hasn't been the case and he's acclimated like nobody's business. But the windows and the speed of the game for a quarterback, that window that was open for a full second at the FCS level, at the FBS level, it closes in a half second. And so for him to acclimate the way that he has, and for him to be the one that has propelled this offense and sort of been the, the catalyst behind everything they've done offensively, you cannot say enough good things about him. He deserves all the credit, and he has been extremely in command of that entire offensive approach at Colorado. So Shadur Sanders and the rest of the talent on this team, you, you, you can't say enough good things about the way that they have hit the ground running and been a force from the first game and going into week three right now for Colorado. Now here's someone that doesn't get nearly enough shine. That's offensive coordinator for Colorado, Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis was the head coach at Kent State. Coach Prime gives him a call and says, hey, I want you to come call plays for me and run the offense. 
So it goes from being a head coach at the FBS level to being a coordinator at the FBS level. Now, I understand he went to a power five, and he's now calling plays for Deion Sanders, so I don't really know if you want to call that a, a step down. But the way that he has dialed up two game plans in a row for this team to be successful, I mean, that, that has been the key to them utilizing the talent they have on this roster. Like, you don't get to make use of a Jimmy Horn or a Travis Hunter if you don't have the right system in place for those guys to ball. If you don't have the right system in place for Dylan Edwards to go for however many touchdowns he went in week one. And it's not just that they have cool plays. It's not just they're going fast with tempo and keeping people off balance. It's the fact that they are truly creating matchups for guys to go and win. We talked about it last week. If Nebraska plays man coverage, they're in trouble. They sat man coverage. Travis Hunter went and got his as well as the rest of that wide receiving core. The other part of this, they are allowing Shadour Sanders to get comfortable, giving him plays that, that he feels good about, clearly, and then also they're adjusting really well. Like last week against Nebraska, they score one touchdown in the first half, get a field goal to end the half, they go up 13-0. They come out in the second half, and they found what they liked. They adjusted. They started to attack the middle of the field a little bit more started to press the ball vertical a little bit more, and very, very clearly got into a rhythm and started to click, and it was a different approach than what they had in that first half. Yes, some part of it was they wore Nebraska down, and that's also a testament to Sean Lewis and what he did offensively, but the way that they have adjusted from, from quarter to quarter, from half to half, that's coaching. That's coaching. This is a really well-coached football team, and they were the better-coached football team in Boulder, Colorado last week against Nebraska. So you cannot say enough good things about the way that he has been a, a key piece to this machine and a key cog to allow this whole thing to roll the way that it has. Again, you don't get to use Travis Hunter. You don't get to utilize Shadour Sanders. You don't get to utilize all the talent on this offense if you don't have the right apparatus in place to do so. And Sean Lewis is responsible for that apparatus and what they've done to this point. Now, the last thing that we've underestimated, the last thing that a lot of people underestimated, and quite frankly, I don't think it's unreasonable for people to underestimate, Deion Sanders and how much of a culture builder he is to get 80 new players to all buy in and be on the same page in a brand new place in Boulder, Colorado with a brand new staff and to have it mesh the way that it has the first two games of the season, that's remarkable. Like, I don't think people understand how difficult that is to do. When we have some people coming from NFL circles that are commenting and saying, well, it's not that hard because... Guys in the NFL do it all the time. Pro sports, they do it all the time. Y'all, those are grown men. Those are, those are people that are in their mid-20s to 30s and are paid a lot of money to relocate and have a lot of other resources to get them up to speed. These are college kids. These are dudes living in dorms and apartments and are probably hitching rides to get to practice. Like, th th this is not the NFL. To get teenagers to 22-year-olds to all be able to be on the same page and buy in and to be bought into the same common belief when you've all transferred over there, I cannot overstate the difficulty in doing that. And so I think you got to give a ton of credit to Deion Sanders. He didn't walk in there and say, okay, this is the offense I'm running, this is the defense I'm calling. Like He's really taken on a CEO kind of role. And so all the credit needs to be given to Deion Sanders regardless of what they do the rest of the way now. Like, there's a lot of people that are now going to flip the script on Coach Prime and say, well, you got to win 10 games now. They didn't win the Pac-12 failure of a season, told you they couldn't get it done. What are we talking about? The bar was set at three and a half wins. They're at two. 
We said it before the season. I sat right here with Andy Staples, and we agreed. If they make it to a bowl game, build a statue for Coach Prime in front of Folsom Field. If you were a student at Colorado before this season, you went from probably just leisurely walking up on a Friday afternoon to get your student ticket to Folsom Field for that game and watching a 1-11 product on the field to now you probably have to camp out from Thursday all the way up until tickets are available to be taken by students to college game day coming to Folsom Field, to having a packed out stands. Like the, the difference in experience that you have now as just a student going to football games at Colorado is vastly, vastly different. And that's the Coach Prime effect. Now, here's another thing we said going into the season. If they have some success early, if they have something they can go market on the recruiting trail, there is a lot of individuals with a lot of stars next to their name that I promise you were just looking for proof of concept in Boulder, Colorado to go and, pray for, to go and play for Coach Prime. I mean that 100%. So keep an eye on how things trend for them on the recruiting trail because I don't think that someone as charismatic as him with the star power that he has is going to be reserved just for the transfer portal. So what I'm trying to tell you is we were all wrong about Colorado with the way they started, but we felt the entire time that as it sort of progressed, that Deion Sanders and the talent that he was able to attract would eventually reach the rhythm that it has. But again, we were wrong that they would work the way that it has so far. And it's the greatest story in college football right now. There is no way around it. Every single outlet, every single website you go to has something to say about Coach Prime. And there's a reason for it. We may never see something like this again where a head coach takes in 100 new transfers or, or it wasn't 100, but you heard what I'm saying, 80 new transfers and has a brand new team and takes them from 1-11 and 11 to what they are right now at 2-0. and 0. So we'll keep an eye on this. A lot of game left to be played. But even so, this year is already a success for Coach Prime, already a success for Deion Sanders and uh, the rest of his football team. So I can't wait to watch the rest of the way it plays out. You got college game day going to Boulder, Colorado. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's be a lot of fun. Also, they're not going for like Colorado USC. They're, they're going to Boulder, Colorado for Colorado, Colorado State. Like Coach Prime and, and that entire operation there, that is the attraction this week. So something to be said. Appreciate y'all being tuned in. If you could like the video, we would appreciate that tremendously. We'll, we'll be at, uh, I think, 20 shows with over 100 likes before we get off the air. We're right around halfway right now. Little thumbs up icon under the picture. You could click that. Totally free. Helps us push this show to more people. So thank you in advance for doing that. All right. Now let's get into some of these final thoughts for week three. This is kind of how we do it every single Thursday when it comes to kind of our last live show before we get to college football Saturday. And I think the biggest game in terms of impact is Tennessee going to the swamp to play Florida. And for Tennessee, man, this, this could be the, the, the game that lights the fuse for this team. Because think about last year when they beat Florida in Neyland. The conversation changed around what they were going to be the rest of the way. We took Tennessee a lot more seriously after that game. But even more so, more specifically for Tennessee, this will be the conversation shaper for Joe Milton. Like whatever he does in this game, it's going to set the trajectory for how he's talked about nationally. He goes out and throws for 300. People are going to call him a Heisman Trophy frontrunner. If they lose and he throws two picks, people are going to say, well, I guess Joe Milton isn't Henning Hooker. I guess Tennessee's not all that. I guess Josh Heupel's system isn't plug and play. They're going to start chanting for Nico. Like, I'm telling you, there's overreaction coming either way, but this game will determine 
how people overreact. Now, I also want to say this. Tennessee, you think about the shot plays, you think about Jalen Hyatt catching deep passes, but I want to hammer this home one more time. If you've watched this show for any length of time, you know we feel this way about this. For Tennessee, this offense is a run-first offense. It is predicated on running the football. And so we're going to call our shot right now. If Tennessee runs the ball on Saturday for four yards a carry, that's going to correlate to Joe Milton having over 250 yards passing and multiple touchdowns. That's the way this thing is built. We run the football, cause you to commit extra numbers to the box. That safety has to creep down, leave a one-on-one matchup for any one of our freak show wide receivers. We're throwing missiles, we're scoring touchdowns, and Joe Milton's stat line will look really pretty. So those two things go hand-in-hand for Tennessee in this game in the Swamp. For Florida now, this game, in a similar fashion, is a conversation shaper, but it's a conversation shaper around Billy Napier. I don't know if we're all aligned in what's at stake here for Coach Napier. Not in the sense that if he loses, they're going to fire him or something like that. I'm not not talking about that. I don't think that's true. I don't think any reasonable Florida fan thinks that's true. But the opportunity in front of them, if they were to take down Tennessee, Billy Napier has a chance to just wipe the entire slate clean with what people said about him this past offseason and what they didn't do with Anthony Richardson and the talent they didn't have on defense. If they go out and beat Tennessee in front of the home crowd, and reemphasize to the entire country, hey, this is what the swamp is. This is what Florida football is. It'll put a lot of good faith in there for Billy Napier and what he's going to do at Florida. Because Tennessee, now they're the ones getting a lot of juice, a lot of the headline, a lot of the talking points, and deservedly so. But if you take them down in a rivalry game and hold serve at home, like the conversation around Billy Napier changes, and I think you give a lot of those naysayers something to chew on. Similar to that Utah game last year. There were a lot of people saying things about Billy Napier and what he wasn't and the way they finished the year. But you pointed back to that game against Utah and said, well, yeah, well, that's some good faith, right? Here, chew on this a little bit longer. Digest that. Figure out your your talking point around that. Come back to me. And then we can kind of have a conversation about it. This would be the same thing for Billy Napier. If they beat Tennessee, hand it to the naysayers. Digest that. Figure out why that isn't valid. And then come back to us and we'll kind of restart this whole thing over again. So the naysayers are going to be naysayers, but this would give them something to keep them occupied, if you will, for a little bit longer. LSU goes to Starkville, Mississippi, play Mississippi State. And what have we talked about all offseason long with this team? Jaden Daniels, can you unhitch the wagon, as we like to say on this program? Can you cut it loose? Can you throw the ball deep? Like, that's really what it comes down to for this offense for LSU. We know they've got some talent on the offensive line. They've got some talent in that wide receiver room. When they run the football, they're one of the best teams in the country, in my opinion, because they have more shots deep, but it's all going to come down to, will Jaden Daniels take the shot? And I said it on our Tuesday show, I believe. We sat down with Jaden Daniels at SEC Media Day. We talked to him about it. We said, hey, a lot of people are talking about the offense needing to be more explosive. Your head coach is talking about we need to be more vertical in the pass game. And I promise you, Jaden Daniels had already heard that a million times before he sat down with us in Nashville. He was like, yeah, when we get one-on-one, I got to trust those guys to go make plays. I got to go take the shot for them. This is the game where I think we, we really see how far along we are in that arena. Because the way that Mississippi State plays mobile quarterbacks, in my opinion, what I saw them do last week against Arizona, they lose track of receivers. When the play gets extended, Jaden Daniels is going to have a chance now to uncork a couple deep 
and give his guy a chance. They may not be wide open. It may be one-on-one, and that's perfect for LSU because you want to see, will your quarterback give your guy a chance? That's all I want to see. Will you put it up? I don't care if it's incomplete. Heck, I actually don't even care if it's an interception. I want to see that you gave your guy a chance to go and make a play because the rest of the season for LSU, they're going to need that to be a part of the arsenal for them to get back to Atlanta. So big time uh, eye test week for LSU, big time eye test week for Jaden Daniels. Speaking of tests, South Carolina's going to Georgia. It'll be a great test for South Carolina, but I think it's the first real test for Georgia. We say it a lot on here. Uh, Fall camp just ended in Athens. That's no disrespect to UT Martin. No disrespect to Ball State. It's just kind of the fact of the matter when you are back-to-back national champs. Now, what I want to make sure we say is when when, when you start working out, roll with me here, when you get to the gym and you start lifting some weights, you don't jump right to hitting your max, do you? You don't walk in there, lift a couple of five pounds weights, and then say, okay, throw everything you can on the bench right now. No, you acclimate, you work up, and you eventually find a weight that you feel comfortable hitting, and you go after it. You try to max out. Georgia is going to be judged up against their max in this game against South Carolina. Like, we're going to judge Georgia what they did in the SEC title game last year against this game in South, against this game in Athens against South Carolina. And that's not fair. So I want us to get out ahead of that. They're breaking in a new OC. They're breaking in a new quarterback. Carson Beck and Mike Bobo, first time together in SEC play. Let's not judge them by their max. Let's not judge them what they're capable of because this thing is built to go for a third national title. Tons back on defense production-wise. Brock Bowers is an alien. Tons of pieces on this offense. Even through the portal, they went and got uh, Dominic Lovett. He's going to be a freak show for them long-term. Like, give it some time. Give it some time. They're a little bit dinged up at different places. Give it some time. Let them acclimate. This is a great test. Expect Georgia to still handle business. You still want to see them look efficient and see the potential for good things to happen. But if they go out there and they don't cover the spread, or if Carson Beck throws two touchdowns, one interception for like 200 yards, like let's not just say they're going to be a weak team. Let's not be quick to define Georgia. We've said it on here a couple of times, but I want to really reiterate this for this game. Georgia's going to be fine. Georgia's built to go the distance again. This game is not the determining factor. It is a step in the right direction. This is a warm-up set for Georgia. No disrespect to South Carolina, but Georgia, they just played two teams that they have no business playing when it comes to games in, in October and things like that. Games in November. Give Georgia a second here. Give them, give them a chance to really get rolling. Colorado, man, let's go back to them. Coach Prime is out to make a statement. We talked about it earlier in the live show. What Jay Norvell said talking about how he was raised to not wear sunglasses in his hat when he talks to adults. That's how he's, that's what grownups do or whatever he ended up saying there. Uh, whatever the spread is right now for Colorado, make sure you take it. I think it was 20 to start the week, favoring 20 for Colorado. It's up to 23 and a half before we got on air here. Make sure you take that. Get you some free money because I do not anticipate Colorado pulling any of the starters at any point in time. If they can score 100 on Colorado State, they will do that in this game. We saw the kind of edge they played with against Nebraska because it was a rivalry game and Shadur Sanders felt like it was personal. This is more personal than that. This is out there for everybody to see. There's no misinterpreting anything. This is a very real edge kind of factor for for Colorado in this game. Take the spread. Take the spread. Take Colorado with the points and uh, enjoy yourself with uh, whatever you end up winning on that game. A couple other games I want to talk about here. Some final thoughts on some games. Uh, Washington is at Michigan State. 
Michael Penix Jr., I think, has a chance to go ballistic in that game. Michigan State a little bit in disarray with the Mel Tucker situation. That's going to be a good game. I believe Washington's favored by 16 right now. Just just watch what Michael Penix Jr. does in that game because he's trending, I think, to be a Heisman candidate. Going to throw the ball all over the yard. Roma Dunze is an absolute freak show for him on the outside. Jalen McMillan's a freak show for him, playing receiver as well. Like They got a lot of weapons, but they go to East Lansing. What I'm trying to say is that's a really good game. That game means a lot for Washington. That game means a lot for Michael Penix Jr. to make a statement for the Heisman campaign. So watch that one. Penn State goes to Illinois. Could be sneaky. Could be sneaky. Illinois is a home dog by two touchdowns. Drew Aller's first game in Big Ten play. Same thing we said with Georgia. Give Drew Aller a little bit of time now. Let him let him kind of find his footing. Let him kind of find what he's going to be going forward. I'm not worried about Penn State covering the spread or not. I'm just worried about how they look when they get pressed. And I don't mean pressed when, when they're on offense. I don't mean like the defensive scheme and those corners are playing press. I mean when something doesn't go their way. When Drew Aller throws the interception. When they go down... 7-0 when they go down 10-0 how do they respond because the roster is built to cover that spread the roster is built to do whatever they want against illinois but how do they look when they you know show their first bit of mortality let's watch that one should learn a lot about that also kansas state they go to missouri this may quietly be may quietly be the best game of the season or excuse me best game of week three not the entire season. It could be. We'll see what happens there. Um, these teams don't like each other. Kansas State does not like Missouri. Missouri does not like Kansas State. There's been some trolling going on on social media throughout the past offseason. Going to find out a lot about Will Howard going on the road. Now it's his team. And it was kind of his team last year, but you had Adrian Martinez. Bottom line, just watch that one. It's going to be a real good game. And Eli Drinkwitz, post game is always good for a, a good soundbite or two. So, Watch that one. Should be competitive. I believe the line was right around four and a half points. So keep an eye on that one. Should be close. Vegas thinks so as well. But those are kind of our final thoughts as we roll into week three here. Again, best game of week three. The season, we're going to wait till we get some more data on that. But uh, definitely has a chance to be one of the more competitive games of the weekend. So that should be a lot of fun. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. You know how we do it around here. If you could go ahead and like that video, we're right around give or take 20 likes away from over 120 shows in a row. So we'll keep rolling here. Appreciate you in advance for hitting the thumbs up and getting us over 100 yet again. Now, I don't want to beat this drum again too, too much because we talked about Texas a lot this week, but I want to do it one more time because Texas, what they could be going forward is not just a Big 12 champion. They could be a college football playoff contender. And some people thought this was the case before the year, but if you think this, it's probably based on what they have offensively and what makes it go offensively. So that's kind of the question. What makes this whole system go for Steve Sarkeesian? Why, why were they so dynamic against Alabama? Because you were watching that game, same as me, and Alabama just looked unsaving-like. They were having trouble getting lined up. They were having trouble being balanced defensively. Like They, just, they did not look the way you expect the Bama defense to look. Some of that's on Bama. I think a lot of that is credit to Steve Sarkeesian and what he drew up. Steve Sarkeesian, in my mind, is a tier one offensive mind in college football. Period. Might drop the end. So how do they get this done? We'll talk about it right now. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. The Hard Count Live now. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you're dialed in here. Want you a part of this. 
We appreciate you in advance for that. So one thing that, that Texas did really effectively against Alabama, they utilized movement pre-snap consistently. And one thing that they did first play of the game, they had a, a crazy shift. They brought Xavier Worthy from one side of the formation to the other. They put, Xavier, uh, they, they put Cedric Baxter out to the receiver position out wide, and it was just like a, a wild picture to look at defensively going from what they were pre-snap to before the snap with uh, after the, the motion, after the shift. And the reason why that was so interesting, the reason why that was so effective against Alabama, whenever you shift as an offense, and especially the way that Texas shifted as an offense with those skilled players lining up all over the field, it's like when you're playing basketball at the YMCA and it's a fast break, at that point in time, who you were playing man-to-man with before doesn't matter as much. It's like, hey, we, we got to figure this thing out quick because they're about to try and press us for a bucket. They're about to snap the football. We better make sure we're dialed in and we know where we're about to be at. We better make sure we know who we have. And that's exactly what happened for Alabama that first play. They were not lined up right to the trip side. Threw it out to Cedric Baxter. First down for Texas. Like that was kind of the way that things went. So for Texas, that's something you, you can expect from them going forward because it puts pressure on a defense to communicate more before the snap. If you got to talk about something as a defense, if you have to kind of get aligned on something and just kind of have a check with me moment, advantage us every single time on the offensive side of the ball. Also, Alabama has good players. Like, yes, the matchups favored Texas for the most part throughout the course of how that game went, but it wasn't because Alabama has bad players in the secondary. Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be probably a top 10 pick in the NFL draft when it comes time for him to be drafted. It wasn't a matter of personnel versus personnel, and that was why they won. That was a big factor, but Bama had good players. They just couldn't get matched up right. So credit Steve Sarkeesian, credit Quinn Ewers, credit that entire offensive approach. Now, the other thing they did offensively to really uh, take advantage of things in this game, they really utilized the tempo, did Texas, consistently throughout this one. And it was a lot of get a first down, we're right up to the line, we're snapping the football, we're not giving you a chance to breathe. And what that does is a couple of things when you go no huddle like Texas did in this game and how they're going to go the rest of the way. When we go no huddle as an offense, the rules state you cannot sub any players unless we sub players as an offense. So what does that do? If you got some big boys on the field, sorry, you can't go get water or oxygen. You have to stay on the field and keep playing snaps until you call a timeout or until we decide we want to slow things down a little bit. So that's why you see so frequently, hey, big shot play from the offense, get up to the line, hurry, 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 run play. Why? Because that, that defensive line just had to run the length of the field, get lined up, and now they're exhausted. And that's what we saw Texas do a lot of the time. Also, if we have a matchup we like, if we get Xavier Worthy on a safety or, or we get Adonai Mitchell on a DB that we feel good about, we can keep that matchup by going quick. We saw something we like, hey, we're not letting you adjust. We're not letting you figure out what we like against you. We're going to go fast, and we're going to make sure that we get what we want offensively. The matchups we like, we get to keep when we go fast. And we saw Texas do that multiple times and have big plays because of their tempo. And the biggest thing probably, in addition to all of these, it is very difficult for a defense to disguise themselves when you go hurry up. Like, think, think, think about it this way. When you're late getting somewhere, you wake up late for work, or you are late getting to a dinner party, whatever it is, you don't have time to change clothes. You don't have time to look nice and look presentable and really kind of get yourself situated. Like, you got to just show up. You got to be there. You got you to gotta hurry. 
And that's the same thing for the Alabama defense. They weren't able to get it dressed up. They weren't able to disguise the look they wanted to have because they were about to snap the football. You got to have a man over a man. You got to be in the coverage you want to be in because if you want to disguise it, you want to communicate, you want to figure out, hey, you line up here, hey, you line up here. Well, if we snap the football, there is that much more opportunity for you to be caught mid-conversation and us to be scoring a touchdown. Like th that, that is kind of the reality of what Texas was able to force against Alabama. So all that's to say, Quinn Ewers had a simpler picture because of how quickly they went. Because you can't lie, you can't get dressed up if you're already late to get somewhere. And that was Alabama consistently on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. And that's why, that's why Quinn Ewers was just diming them up for three and a half bills. Now the difference too for Steve Sarkeesian from this year to last year, they got better players, man. And I'm not just talking about matchups in this football game. Like I said, Bama had really good players too. But I mean, for Steve Sarkeesian, we've seen over the course of his career, when he's got the Jimmys and Joes, he's able to cook. When he has the ingredients, he makes the right product. And right now, with Xavier Worthy, with Jatavian Sanders, with Adonai Mitchell, with Quinn Ewers, with all they have back on the offensive line, like they have everything they need to execute to the nth degree. And with Steve Sarkeesian's scheme, it's great to create matchups. You can only capitalize on matchups if your players win. And so what I want to say with this whole situation, with the personnel they have now, with the depth that they have, they have a greater percentage chance to win their matchups. If Xavier Worthy doesn't win, well, guess what? We have another bona fide number one wide receiver in Adonai Mitchell on the outside, and he might win. And he won a lot this past Saturday. Jatavian Sanders, if you guys want to spread the entire defense to our freak show wide receivers, that's fine. But the middle of the field for Jatavian Sanders, probably going to be open. And Quinn Ewers can put the ball where it needs to be. Even when it's well defended, you can't defend a perfect pass. And Quinn Ewers, I think, has the ability to consistently deliver, I don't want to say perfect passes, but he puts the ball where it needs to go in the right spot. And we saw him do that a lot against Alabama. So we say it a lot now. I mean, the, the question for Texas is consistency. Can they do it against a team like a Kansas State? Can they do it against a team like a Baylor in a couple weeks? We'll see. That's going to be the, the issue for them. But there will be no tougher test than what they saw in Tuscaloosa, Alabama this past Saturday night. And to be real, with the talent they have, with the depth they have, with the preparation and the aggressive nature that Steve Sarkeesian brings to this offense, they should never lose the game because they got outscored. They should never have a situation where it's like, hey, where was, where was the offense tonight? Like last year against TCU, perfect example for Texas. Offense went missing. I don't think you see that from Texas this year. And if you do, there's probably more to that story and there's probably more baked into that situation. So for Texas, the scheme with Steve Sarkeesian, the players they have, they're going to be dangerous the rest of the way. And they're going to be a force for everybody else on their schedule. And they have a very, very direct path to playing for a Big 12 title and for playing for a college football playoff spot. They got to do it. But the path is very much so clear after getting a big-time win in Tuscaloosa and the offense playing an enormous part in it. So let me know if y'all like stuff like that because I, I really think that we have an audience that loves ball. And loving ball and saying you know ball and whatnot, like that's kind of become a toxic thing on social media because people, if they have a bad take or whatever, you'll, you'll get a lot of you don't know ball in the mentions. Let me know if y'all like just kind of talking ball like that because if you like it, we'll do more of it. And if you want something else, we'll do something else. This is y'all's show, so we appreciate y'all in advance for that. But again, I think I know our audience, and I think y'all like ball. You could like the video. We'd appreciate that as we keep on rolling here. 
We're about to get to some of y'all's thoughts, questions, concerns in the live chat. That's the beautiful part about being tuned in live to this show. If you're on podcast, we love y'all, man. We love y'all being dialed in, but you miss out on getting in the live chat. You miss out on seeing Nick Brake's beautiful face. So before we get to that, get those questions in right now. Want to tell y'all a little bit about the good people at game time. Now, I want to kind of paint you this picture here. We got a lot of big time games in week four. A lot of big time games in week three too. But as we get ready for week four, probably time to start looking for tickets. You got Notre Dame, Ohio State, Florida State at Clemson. Like there's there's some matchups now as there is in week three. But what I want us to all avoid is showing up and not having a ticket for the game. I'm telling you, don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that family that's, that's without tickets. Game time is going to take care of you. So game time is the fast, easy way to buy tickets for all the big time matchups. And for this college football season, that's who we're trusting. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. We can get right up to the Saturday of week four. Heck, you can get to the Saturday of week three. Get dialed in. Game time has deals on tickets and all of the events. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all the sports and entertainment events. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of that difference. So snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account. Here's the big part. Use code hardcount for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code hardcount for $20 off. Use the game time app, download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Appreciate game time, man. Getting us all to the game, getting us dialed in. You only get so many false Saturdays, man. You got to make them count. So to hear some of y'all's questions and thoughts and concerns, maybe even about this upcoming false Saturday, let's get to the live chat. Nick Brake, how we doing, baby? Fresh off a big kickball dub last night. Yeah, uh, doing good. Uh, first question coming from the very, very top. Timothy Griffith said, hey, J.D., how competitive is the Pac-12 this year? Do you see a possibility mm. where there are no teams that come up without any losses? So there will be no undefeated teams in that question. And um, possibly multiple losses. Very possible. Very possible. And here's my hope. That has kind of been the way that it's gone for the Pac-12 a couple of these last few years. Uh, I'd love to see somebody separate from the Pac, no pun intended, and no pun intended given the current climate of the Pac-12 with everybody separating via conference realignment. Love to see somebody separate from that pack and represent them in the college football playoff because the narrative around the Pac-12 is, oh, because they don't have someone in the college football playoff consistently, that means they must not have that great a product out there. No, we've, we've said it many times here, and y'all that have tuned in, you know, get your caffeine, get your pre-workout, get your Red Bull, your caffeine pills, whatever you need to get to make sure you stay up for those 10 o'clock kicks because there's really good football being played on the West Coast. So I think it's very deep. I think you could talk me into probably four or five teams within that conference winning the Pac-12, but I hope for their sake it's somebody that's undefeated that ends up making the college football playoff. We like USC in that group, but Oregon could be that team. Washington could be that team. A lot of teams you could look at, but uh, that's how we feel about the Pac-12. Absolutely a deep conference, without a doubt. How about the Big 12, J.D.? Uh, Jack Johnson says, by the way, love the show. Thoughts on the Big 12 this year? As of right now, would you take Texas? or the field for the Big 12 championship, go man, Cats. Man, I would, uh, oh, he slid in the go Cats there. Okay, a little Kansas State love. We love it. I would take Texas right now, and that's not going to be what Jack Johnson wants to hear. 
Shout out Jack Johnson, though. We love Banana Pancakes, and we love Better Together. We love all his albums, but we appreciate Jack Johnson being locked into the show. Man, just what, what Texas showed against Alabama, it just showed me how good they can be. And we talk about, like, this scale, like a Richter scale almost. You chart different places, different weeks. That was an extreme high point that Texas charted. And so the question now, is that point on the chart going to be the new median for you? Is that now where you're at if you're Texas? Or is that going to be just the highest point on the graph and you sort of fluctuate week to week? But to have that point on the graph, to have that PR for them, in my opinion, with how they played against Alabama, makes them very dangerous. And I think that makes them the team to ultimately win the Big 12. So that's how I feel about Texas. They're the, the favorite for me right now in the field. They were before the year. But uh, hey, Kansas State, they're gritty. They're going to have a big one this week against Missouri, potentially biggest game of week three. So that's how we feel about that one, Nick. Uh, Skyler Patterson, J.D., what Alabama or what's Alabama's plan with the quarterback situation? Are we going to see Milrow because there's no one else that Saban trusts? Or do you think we'll see a different quarterback to start down the road? I think you see Milrow unless he has the turnover bug consistently. Because as much as was made about Jalen Milrow, in that game against Texas, he made some plays that hurt, right? He I mean, he had that interception where he kind of got fooled by the corner early in the game. We'll not, we, we won't talk it through too much, but essentially corner starts to drop a little bit. He thinks he has the out route, lets it go. Corner jumps it, makes it look a little bit easy. And that was kind of the thing for Jalen Milrow. There were some things throwing the football that really make you concerned. But to the exact same point, there were some plays in that game where Jalen Milrow keeps Alabama in that football game because of what he does with his legs, because of the way that he tucks it and runs and just absolutely explodes different times with his athleticism. And so the variable for him is, can we find a way to dial him in the passing game and give him something in the passing game that's going to play to his strengths and not ask him to do too much while still taking advantage of the speed we have in this wide receiver room? So I think that it is very likely you will see somebody at least appear in other games for Alabama, but I don't think it'll be a thing where you have to just keep on yanking Jalen Miller out of the game because he can't be the guy that throws the football for you. I think Tyler Buckner will get a chance to roll with the, the offense a little bit here in the coming weeks, but I wonder how much they're going to strategize that. I think Tyler Buckner probably needs to be a part of the game plan at some point in time as they get into some of these games later in the year. But again, Jalen Milrow, to the same token, has to be a part of your game plan because of his athleticism and because of what he brings to the table with his just it factor, quite frankly, when he tucks it and runs. So a great question, but I, I'm still rolling with Milrow, man. I think you got to build it for him and uh, allow him to cook a little bit. Okay, uh, three more questions, JD. Um, the first it. one, Jared says, ask JD if Ohio State blows Penn State and Notre Dame out, does the conversation turn into they just didn't have it this year in, or to compete or will Ohio State be making the run up the pole. So basically, if they win, is it Penn State, Notre Dame bad, or is it Ohio State's really good? I think it's Ohio State's really good because that would, I think, be a little bit of a little bit of a shocker from what we've seen from Notre Dame and Penn State so far. They've both looked really solid, and honestly, Ohio State and what Kyle McCord's brought to the table, I think we could see him step up his game quite a bit here, with just the fact that he is, I think, still feeling his way through being the guy at Ohio State like it was kind of that battle the first couple of weeks and it's his job but is it really and now they've handed him the keys if he's able to take his game to the next level this roster at Ohio State is built to go play for a national title that's the way it's built do they have the quarterback to do it 
we'll see. But I, I don't have reservations about Ohio State as much as I do about Kyle McCord and, and the way that he trends. So if, if they beat Penn State and they beat Notre Dame, says a lot about Ohio State and not quite so much, I don't think, about those other two teams. Because I think they're both going uh, to be players when it's all said and done here in, uh, in that Selection Sunday conversation. Awesome. Um, hey, two, two people in the chat saying they were our new subscribers. Uh, Robert D. Harris, shout out uh, to him. Also, shout out to, well, now I've got to find him, JD. Hey, welcome, though. Yeah, exactly. Glad to have you here. And the other one is Austin Rogers, says JD, new sub of the month. Uh, what does Florida have to do to pull off the upset this week? Austin, welcome, my boy. I think you have to keep the swamp engaged, which kind of sounds simplistic. But we saw Florida against Utah have some things where they sort of shot themselves in the foot. You got dudes lining up in similar, not similar, in the same jersey number on the punt return team. Obviously, that's a flag. Obviously, that extends the drive for Utah. Like, just stuff that are controllable for Florida. If they can ratchet those down, they're going to be able to capitalize on the positive plays that they make. And if they can rattle Joe Milton early, then this thing gets really, really interesting. If they get an interception early or they get a... a sack fumble early like then this thing kind of starts to to build on itself and I think in this game I don't see a game where Florida has a slow start and still wins like it's got to be a fast start it's got to be connecting on a punch to the jaw right away for the Gators and uh, I think that's going to be a key piece for them to beat Tennessee I really do so starting fast got to be the key for Florida I don't think they get into a situation where they're down 13 they're down 20 and they find a way to scratch and claw and find their way back into it i think it's like hey we got to do this from the jump got to get the swamp rolling here and uh we got to go into attack mode here got to be the hammer not the nail uh jd really quick by the way two different people in the chat so far have said they think that oklahoma will win the big 12 you're not against that you're an oklahoma i like guy. it i like it man i'm I just i cannot wait for that game in red river nick like that's gonna tell us a lot about both teams um, I promise you, the good people in Norman, Oklahoma, they feel some type of way about the way that game went last year because Dylan Gabriel wasn't playing, because they were kind of hamstrung offensively, and, and Texas kind of toted that dub 49-0 for the entirety of the year, as you do in a rivalry game. But they're, uh, they're ready for that one. I'll say this, the roster that Oklahoma has, second best in the Big 12. Do they play to that? We'll see. But they got the quarterback, they got the OC, and uh, if the defense can ratchet it up a little bit, like we talked about all offseason long, uh, they're going to be a player in this thing for sure. Also, Kansas State. Kansas State, they got a great test this week against Missouri. Uh, they, they're the returning Big 12 champs. They got a quarterback that won the thing for them last year. So let's, uh, let's keep our eyes on those three. But again, I'm still taking Texas, but I, th I think Oklahoma's going to have a real shot. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so the last question of the day. We're going to talk about Auburn. Clay says, SJD, how concerned should Auburn be at the way the offense completely stalled against Cal? Yeah, that's fair. You know, I think year one, this is one of the reasons why we were a little bit slower to jump on the Auburn hype train. I love Peyton Thorne. I love Hugh Freeze. I love Philip Montgomery. I think they've got a great system in place there. But that's also the same reason why people were low on Colorado. It's very, very hard to take so many pieces and have them mesh with a new staff right away. So we'll see what Cal is the rest of the way. Maybe Cal's a good football team. That would probably surprise us a little bit, but I'm not overly concerned just yet. Let's see how they trend. I don't think you hit the panic button just yet, but that, that is something to watch for is, is, okay, how up to speed are we as an offense? How up to speed is Peyton Thorne? Do we need Holden Gurner to step in there? Do we need Robbie Ashford to step in there? So... Keep an eye on that, but uh, I'm not overly, overly panicking on Auburn just yet. Going to learn a lot about them here when they play Georgia uh, in not too long here, Nick. 
Well, JD, I think I actually got to everybody's questions. How about today. it, man? Um, yeah, that's all. Uh, thanks for coming, everybody. We'll see you all on Tuesday. JD, it's all yours, man. That's big time, man. Nick, appreciate you, brother. Hey, before you go, you want you want to tell people about your uh, your your dinger you hit last night? I did hit a home run in kickball last night. I'm back, JD, three for three. I had a I kind of had a last season or a bad season last year in our adult kickball league, uh, but I'm back. You're back. I'm back. You're back. Put yeah, the whole world on notice, baby. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Well, that's Nick Bray, keeper of the queue, heavy lifter extraordinaire, producer of everything that you see here. So we appreciate y'all rolling with us. Hey, appreciate all the new subscribers, man. A lot of y'all that are new to the show, we're glad to have you here. And for those of y'all that are, that are new to the show, we get this question a lot. Hey, J.D., who do you root for? J.D., who's your favorite team? J.D., you, you got to be a homer of X, Y, and Z team. Like I think we get different comments about which team I like probably every couple of shows. The, the team that I have allegiance for, the team that I root for every single Saturday, they actually open the season this coming weekend. They're at Lehigh in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And that is the Cornell Big Red, baby. Hey, starting the year, got to start 1-0, making a quest for a conference title. Jamison Wang dealing the pill back there. Coach Dave Archer got the Big Red rolling. So, hey, shout out to the Big Red. Shout out to the, the program up there in upstate New York. Let's get it rolling here. Big dub this weekend, boys, all right? We appreciate y'all. All right, and we appreciate y'all that are tuned in. Appreciate y'all that are subscribed. We're going to keep this party rolling as we always do. We'll be back in here Sunday morning. Tons of content to talk about the day that was. I'm Jody Piquel. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.